Welcome to the Sales Development Podcast, your go-to resource for all things pipeline and revenue production in the tech sales world. Technology marketing, sales development, sales, and revenue operations have combined to create the go-to market engine fueling the success of SaaS startups and established companies alike. Each week, the Sales Development Podcast dives deeply into the strategies, tactics, people, processes, and technology that fuels the revenue machine. The Sales Development Podcast is brought to you by Tenbound. Get more free resources, insights, and intelligence today at tenbound.com. And be sure to like and subscribe on YouTube. Hello, 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 everybody. Welcome to another edition of the Sales Development Podcast. I'm David Delaney, your host, and I'm joined today by Ashish Damdare, the CEO and co-founder of Relevo. I almost got through it. How are you doing today, sir? I'm good. If you know, we have two tongue twisters for you. Just add to the degree of complexity. Keep you on your toes. I'm <laughs> yeah. great. Thank you for having me, David. Yeah, I thought I did a pretty good job, but say the name of the company. Relevo, and it's a take on relevance as the connector between businesses. So Relevo, and we like the double V effect. Got it. Okay. And that was the easy part. I should have gotten that. <laughs> <laughs> I just thank you for joining us. I'm so excited to talk with you. We've been following each other on LinkedIn for a while. You're working on something really, really interesting. Tell me, how did you start the company and what problem are you solving? What a great question. You know, I'm a marketer at heart. This is my fifth startup, the first founded, but I've been in the space. And before that, I was at Microsoft for a long time. And at every startup, the big question that I saw sales and marketing teams struggle with was who do we go after? What companies and what contacts at those companies do we go after in a given week, a given month, a given quarter? And it matters, interestingly, because if you're early stage, that's how you get your product market fit, right? You're looking for patterns of repetition in the companies you go after. And it's so hard to do. That segmentation, the market segmentation and targeting, that combination is really, really hard to do. And you have to do a bunch of things in Excel spreadsheets, Salesforce, Upwork, Google searches, LinkedIn, to really solve that problem. And we figured there had to be a better way. So in the height of the pandemic, when I think everybody was dealing with existential questions, my co-founder and I were started talking about this. And we said, you know, we would regret not taking on this problem. And really, the problem is, if you're a company that has interesting or cool piece of technology, how do you find your market? How do you find these repeatable patterns? How do you solve the who problem, which is who should you go after using budget if you're in marketing from an advertising perspective and bodies and time from a sales perspective, from an outbounding perspective, and really taking an account-based approach? So what we do is we help you answer that question using signals that are unique to you and that are proven to you and your company and your use case. In a nutshell, that's been the journey of the company and that's what we do. Okay. And it's interesting because a lot of people, especially who start tech companies, they're technicians, really. They're engineers and they're great at the technical part of it. But the go-to-market and finding even the initial product market fit, beyond that, the go-to-market fit is really, really difficult because it's just outside of their wheelhouse. When you think about working with those companies, they have a great product, and now you need to come in and help them to find, okay, what do we do next? Where do you start? Yeah, what a great question. You're exactly right. A lot of companies are cool, not all, but many are cool technologies looking for a solution area. 
or in a lot of cases, they find out the hard way that the initial hypothesis from an audience that they thought would be interested in their solution ends up not being true. So what really matters in this journey is it comes back to two things. One, can you limit the variables that you're testing for? When you do a startup and when you have a product, you know, you could go after anyone, really. And I wish I got a penny every time somebody told me that ICP was B2B SaaS or high growth B2B SaaS company. I'd be a billionaire right now, right? They'd be making memes of me based on our earlier conversation because that's not, me too. folks, that is not your ICP. That is your TAM, perhaps, yeah. at best. But that is too broad of an audience, especially if you're an early stage startup. But it also matters if you're a later stage startup or even if you're a public company, because there it becomes about optimization. It becomes about efficient growth. A lot of times it becomes about entering new markets or having a new product that you're launching to an audience that you're already serving. So what we do is we help companies segment their market in dimensions that make the most sense for them. And we do this, we have a proprietary process that we use where it doesn't take long, actually, if you ask the right questions and you have the right framework, somewhere between 30 minutes and an hour, you get a pretty good sense for what would be the ideal customer. And the questions we ask are typically formographic, how big is the company that would be an ideal customer? What geography, sort of what set of industries, sub-industries would they sit in? We ask questions around technographic details of what technologies do they use? Then we go to challenges. What challenges are they trying to solve today? And what challenges are people facing in those companies that you help address? What's the use case context for those challenges that pops out? Do they have a digital transformation initiative? Do they have a cost savings initiative? And then we look at specific buying triggers that come back to those companies. We use a combination of these things. And the output is something that we call the active ICP, which is companies that have unique needs, pains, initiatives that you can solve for at that point. And that really is the bullseye, if you will, that you should go after. That's the idea. It's, it's in today's day and age, you know, it matters because you cannot throw endless amounts of money at growth anymore. Those days are gone. Scarcity is the new name of the game. Efficient growth is the new name of the game. So you have to make these bets carefully. And if you don't, unfortunately, people are going to lose their jobs or you're never going to find your product market fit. So it's sort of an existential importance to do that. And that's sort of our process. And that's what we do in the company. There's a few different ways to look at it. One is if it's a new company and they're really trying to find product market fit, then you're almost starting from scratch. But there's also when they have a database and it hasn't been really structured in this way, and it's essentially a hunch that people use and the, the tribal knowledge of the salespeople of what an ICP is. And I think that you have use cases in both of those situations with the new and the one that's in place. Exactly right. What a great point. So if you're early stage, it's all about quick testing, quick iterations to see where you get hits. And then you can start investing more wherever you see hits, wherever you see matches. Mm. If you've been in market, let's say at a Series A company or even a Series B company, you have some data. Clearly, you've grown to a point where you have sometimes hundreds of customers. What we do is we look at what are the common attributes of people, companies that are in your pipeline today, that are your customers today, even where you've booked meetings today. And that's the validation for these hunches. Hunches are always great. You want to capture as much of that travel knowledge as possible. 
But a lot of times, those anecdotes can also lead you astray. So it's a good starting point, but then you want to intersect it against data in your pipeline when you have data. The goal for earlier stage companies is to build that data together, is to say, look, we have 50 hunches, let's say 30 hunches. Let's combine these to form segments that we want to test. And then let's quickly see where we get hits in each of these segments. And that's a great way to then find these repeatable patterns of growth. Got it. You're validating against in the later stage companies that already have a database or they've been going for a while. You're validating your findings against what the salespeople are telling you, probably, right? You're giving them the hunches of where you think the ideal profile is, but then they're out in the street every day actually talking to people. And so is there a way to take the data, the human data that you're getting, and then combine it with the data that you're providing to create something new? That's exactly what we do. What you described is the process where Mm-hmm. You can think of all the hunches or observations. They're not just hunches, observations that sellers have, marketers have, CROs have, CEOs have as hypotheses that you're creating. And if you have data, the very first thing you can do and say, I'll give you an example. There's sometimes this view of, you know, if the legal team is less than 10 people, we have a good hit rate for our company. That's what we've typically seen. We can validate that for you. We can say, of the people that are in your pipeline today, 70% have a legal team of less than 10. That seems like a good salient condition for you to go after. At that point, that's something we can use to find lookalikes for you. And we can say, what are other companies that kind of look like the companies that are in your pipeline today that we can find more of for you? But the big difference is these attributes, these custom attributes are really hard to find in data sources like ZoomInfo or even Apollo. Because these are not things that most of these providers track. They're unique things to every particular company. So we create a a unique custom data set for that company that's made up only of the attributes that they care about. And we validate those. So the data quality is never in question. Because what happens otherwise? The sellers themselves have to figure out, who do we go after at any given time, right? And that's hard. Because are you supposed to sell or go look for accounts to prospect in? And Some do it well, others don't do it well, don't have the time to do it well. Marketing, it ends up being a peanut butter exercise of, well, if we can't decide, let's just spread our money across as many of these accounts as possible. That doesn't produce results either. So this validation gives you the peace of mind to know this really is the most valuable segments to go after. And we continue validating that every 90 days. So we'll come back to you and say, look, these two segments, still good, this third segment, performance isn't as good as we thought, so let's tweak it. And that's a continuous iteration of this journey. One last point, and then I'll pause. Even if you're a public company, you are always thinking about some tweak to your messaging, to your product. There's some competitive dynamic change, even to your positioning. We help you test that with these audiences that you have in mind. So we can tell you that, okay, if you're taking this product and you're going from the US to India, let's see if we can test two or three segments for that particular product. And let's see where it hits. Wherever it hits, you can double down and continue your scale your growth from there on out. So the application, to your point, is really super early stage all the way to public companies. Yeah. And it's interesting because in my past, I've seen it where the marketing department will apply a hypothesis to the database. And then the sales team will see that and not be involved collaboratively in giving feedback. And after a while, they just start to kind of tune out the 
information that's being provided by marketing. They don't believe the score or the designation for a while. And it sounds like you've got that collaboration happening. If I understand that correctly, what would be, let's say an example that if a company, they're bringing a new product to market, they have a hypothesis about what would be an ideal customer profile. They have a database, they have a sales team, they come to you. What's the next step at that point? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Great question. I'll first, I'll validate that what you said is right. Mm-hmm. ICP is one of those, active ICP in particular, is one of those foundational elements where you have to have not just the sales and marketing teams, but the CS team and the product team on the same page as well. Because think about it, it comes back to, are we marketing to the right people? Are we booking meetings with the right people? Are we selling to the right people? And then when they sign, are we onboarding? The right people, because if any of this goes wrong, your churn becomes an issue, return on marketing investment becomes an issue, sales efficiency becomes an issue. So it's really one of those foundational elements that you have to get right. And I'm sure we've all been in companies where that hasn't been the case. And to your point, sales is doing its own thing, marketing is doing its own thing. And a lot of times you hear comments from sellers like, I don't know what marketing is doing, but they're not marketing to any of my accounts. That's time. So really, you have to start with the active ICP as the foundational element. Coming back to your second question, which is, if you have a hypothesis, if you have a product, you have a sales team, you have some marketing budget, really what you're looking for, and let's assume that you're a Series A company, what you're looking for, number one, is what's my sweet spot? What's my sweet spot where I'm growing today, where I have a hit, and can I find more people like that? And you can think about that as a segment or segments made up of a particular company size, a particular industry, particular technographic profile, certain set of use cases, and buying triggers. So right, it's a combination of those things that makes a segment. What we give you is a set of accounts, that particular segment. And if your database is built out, we can actually prioritize your existing database to tell you here are the top 100, 200, 500 accounts, that one or two of those segments. So that's step one. Step two is you may also have ideas on where you want to go next, because always you're thinking about you know growth shouldn't plateau. It should keep the curve. It should be a hockey stick, always. And we let you take those hypotheses convert that into a segment or segment definition and help you identify accounts that those particular segments. So here's then what happens is if you have, let's say, $100 in marketing to allocate, you can very clearly allocate 60, 70 of that to your sweet spot that's working really well, 30 to experimenting or testing some of these other audiences. That's sort of one key decision. The other is if you're a sales team, they never have to worry about, am I getting the work right accounts? Am I working the right accounts? Am I sequencing? the right accounts, that list is a rank-ordered, prioritized list that they're getting where they don't have to worry about it. We even load up contacts for them so they know the right people and the right companies that they're going after at that point. And you let sellers do what they do best, which is be persistent, be creative, get the attention of the buyer, book meetings, sell deals at that point. It's true for both SDRs and AEs. What we're doing on the back end is coming back every 90 days and saying, you allocated this money, you allocated this time budget, what's working? Mm. Where are we seeing results? And what are the signals that are salient? And what are the ones that are not as salient? Let's make some tweaks. This also helps you test messaging on both sides of the house really nicely because you can align your messaging to each of these segments. And that ends up being a huge multiplier effect in the results that you see. Got it. And I think you alluded to this, but does it include advertising, online advertising to the accounts or would that be run through a different system? Great question. So we give you segments that you can take to, for example, LinkedIn sponsored updates. 
And those segments are made up not just of the companies, but of the people, the right decision makers and personas at those companies. And then today, we don't have the functionality to stay tuned. We're looking at how we can orchestrate campaigns, both on the sales and the marketing side from the product. That's probably the next step that we'll take here, which is one, really, it all comes back to, can we help companies focus on the right audience? And two, can we make the workflow as simple as possible, where nobody has to take CSV from here and upload it there and you know, go do research in five or six different places. That's the core problem uh, that we're solving. Yeah. And how does it look like, so say I'm a marketer and I'm working with you versus a salesperson or an SDR. Is there a different dashboard? Are they working out of a different screen? No, it's a great question. The overall experience for the marketer tends to have more details that they can consume upfront from playing with different segments perspective. Because really, they're trying to make a decision of how much money should I allocate, funds budget should I allocate to this segment versus that. For the SDR, it's much more about, here's the set of accounts that your management, the CRO, the CMO, the director of sales dev have decided. Here are the contacts. Their experience starts in Salesforce. So we integrate with Salesforce, Outreach, SalesLoft, HubSpot. And the, the sellers, we don't want any change to their existing workflow. I think this is one of the major challenges with many sales tech companies is it's yet another tool where the seller's like, oh, great, I have to go look here and do whatever I'm doing in Salesforce and Outreach or SalesLoft. No, our goal is keep doing your workflow. We make those workflows more powerful and more impactful. And we give you the ability to overlay the insights that we found in those tools, in Outreach, in SalesLoft, in HubSpot, in Salesforce, where you keep doing your workflow and we give you sort of the insights we've identified right there. For marketers, the experience is much more about can you compare different segments and see what the difference looks like between those segments from a size perspective, the signals that have matched perspective. Can you tweak the segment definition with us? And it's a very similar experience for the CRO as well. But typically, the marketing team owns ICP as a construct. So with them, it's much more on the segment definition, segment tweaks, and segment composition front that we work with them. Got it. And it sounds like you're very hands-on. So you're meeting every 90 days, you're digging in. Is this something where you can hand over your software and someone could just run it themselves and you never talk to them again? Or do you really have to be partnering together to so that it works? Great question. It's the first 90 days are where we partner the most mm-hmm. with our customers. Beyond that, It's a piece of software you can log on and make tweaks, see the results as you see for yourself. If you're ever interested in new signals, we have a customer success person that you'll work with in testing out new signals, et cetera, et cetera. But from a workflow perspective, from a setup perspective, from an insight consumption perspective, everything's available in the product and you don't really need to engage with us. The conversations we have to be with, one, we're early stage. We want to hear as much as possible from our customers. So a little bit of that, but more so... People always want to try, companies always want to try new segments to go after, and they have new ideas that they come up with. Oh, you know, I was thinking, wouldn't it be cool if you could do this cool thing we've never done before? And those are conversations that we get involved in to see, one, is it feasible? Two, how generalizable is it? Three, have we done it somewhere else that we could help learn from that experience and apply it here? All of those conversations are much more hands-on. But we have many customers that we only talk to them every 90 days to sort of review the results together. Others that we talk to every week because they want to talk to us and they're sort of trying to figure out what to do with us. Yep. I mean, right now, everything you learn goes back in or it's some new... Exactly right. Like that. Exactly right. Drink our own champagne, as my co-founder Tushar likes to say, where 
everything that we're learning from our customers, we're using in our own active ICP definition to find companies that we're interested in, in going after. And so it's this great loop of what did we learn from that customer? Are there other customers like that out there, prospects that we could go after? And that's been a lot of fun to do. And that sped up our iteration cycles on go-to-market and product both together. It is. It's a virtuous cycle. And I see that a lot with outsourced sales development teams, and they're using their own service to set appointments for their service. You know, And it's like, yes. if they don't have any customers, well, we're an outsourced SDR company. So let's go get some, right? Exactly right. Exactly right. Yeah. I mean, what would we have done if this product didn't exist? We would have probably sprayed and prayed and tried yeah. to find the right customers. We've not done that. We've been hyper-focused on the right 20, 30 companies we want to go after, and we land a bunch of them because we know they have pain points, right? We're picking up their pain points and use cases and needs, and that leads to great conversations. Some of them are ready right away. Some are ready later, but there's no wasted conversation at that point. Yeah, and your product is improving based on using the product, which is a great thing, <laughs> right? Exactly. Right. It's interesting because I've been around for a long time, so I've seen companies try to do this within their own company. And it starts and stops based on how much trust there is in the process, especially by the sales team. And that's why I, I keep harping on this. But there's so much room and there's so much potential for this because even companies that are doing really well, they have a great sales team and marketing team. Everyone's working together. They can always improve the precision and the targeting with their ICP and personas too. I mean, they're talking to the right people at the right companies. Spot on. Yeah. There's a power law distribution in both marketing and sales where 20% of your campaigns are driving 80% of your results. And in sales, 20% of your sellers are driving 80, 90% of your results. Yeah. And we've gone and talked to them. And what we've learned is it's not all ICP clearly, but it's based on this concept of the first step that they look at is, am I talking to the right companies? Am I talking to companies that are big enough for us, that have the pain for us, that have prioritized the pain for us, where we can find the right personas to talk to? And when they do those things, it unlocks opportunities that are just not available to the other 80%. So in many ways, our goal is, can we democratize that data for all of your sellers and make all of them much better? Your top 20% are always going to be your top 20%. They're entrepreneurial, they're driven, They'll take this data and do things that they weren't able to do before. The others, you're lifting all boats, basically by improving this quality of insights that's available. Yeah, that's a really good point. And a simple way to think about it is a fish finder. Somebody told me it's like a fish finder for sales. So you don't want to spend your whole day in the part of the lake with, that has no fish. You want to put in your fish finder and stay in the area where you can catch the big ones, right? What a great analogy. Because B2B SaaS, it's a really big lake, ocean, take your body, you know, favorite body of water, river. And if you try to fish all over the place, you're going to end up in nothing at all. Exactly. Yeah, that's so interesting. So what are you excited about right now as you're developing? And are there any new projects or new initiatives that you're working on right now that you're super excited about? Two things come to mind right away. One is, in many ways, it's been scary in the market the last six to nine months, where we've had this growth at all costs mentality that's been true. And with the money going away, with the free money going away, everybody's sort of slammed on the brakes and fear and trepidation has taken over. And we feel really good about being a solution to that problem, about giving a way out to the marketers and sellers who want to do well in this environment by giving them the route to test everything that they're doing, find their most valuable segments, 
and double down on those. And this feels like the new normal for the next three years, four years, who knows what happens after that. But we feel really good that we can help people that need help the most. Right now, that's number one. Number two, I think machine learning and AI. Gen AI has taken a lot of attention in the machine learning and AI space. And rightfully, I think there are definitely applications that can help with that. AI is so much bigger than that. And in particular, when we look at pattern recognition, and in particular, finding your most valuable customers, your most valuable prospects, we are in the beginning days of that journey of finding the most valuable customers you can go find. And we're doing some really cool things to really expose insights and serve up insights that a human being just cannot do because we can look at so many more data points across so many different data sources. And I'm really excited about that. It feels like we're in the early days of that journey and there's so much more that can be done. So it's exciting to be working on something cool like that. Yeah. I mean, you're really just scratching the surface on what's possible here. And there was a big trend toward, they called it predictive analytics. That was going to change everybody's life Yes, 10 years ago. And I remember I fell into the spell of it as a sales development professional. I was like, this is going to blow the doors off. I don't think we were quite ready at that point from a technology perspective, but I think you are now, especially with understanding the AI models. Wow. Okay. That is very exciting to think about. Yeah. Super exciting. You can have data sets you just couldn't have, and you can get insights from those data sets that you just couldn't have without AI. And again, we've just begun to use those. So we're early in that journey. Yeah. And I think I had the CEO of Clearbit on this podcast, and he said it really well in that there's an ocean of data out there. There's like an explosion of data, content and information, and it's just ridiculously available at this point. It's almost like free commodity. And what's missing is the context and the usefulness of it. And that's where something like what you're building comes in. Relevance, and hence the name Relevo, for us, oh. really what drives us, the mission, you know, bringing back to the name, we started with the name, bringing back to the name. Yeah. It's when you're a business, you're really looking for people where you can be relevant. Mm-hmm. And if you're a seller, there's a huge push for personalization. Really, relevance is way more important than personalization. Finding somebody who's got a pain you can solve matters much more than if you went to the same school, but if you can guess their sports team. That's, you know, you can use that stuff. That's not a bad idea, but it's more important to find people that you can help. And that's what we see is helping unlock the adoption of technologies that have died on the line because they could never find their market. That's what drives us. It's not easy, but that's what makes it fun is this has been an unsolved problem for the longest time And we feel like we're on the cusp of a revolution. We're seeing it with the customers we have, where there's a three to five X lift that they're seeing because they're doing this scientifically. And it's really the application of science to sales and marketing. It's that continuing journey where we've gone from spreadsheets, nothing, to CRMs, to all the other platforms that have come in. And this is the next wave, which will really drive more efficient growth for all companies. Yeah, I'm very excited and motivated (laughs) talking with you. You're right on the forefront of this. You know, you're a good communicator and being able to dumb this down for dummies. (laughs) Hardly, not this audience. This is a sophisticated audience. It is. Well, the audiences, the hosts, maybe. No, come on. Yeah. (laughs) I appreciate you breaking it down. It makes perfect sense. And I'm really excited if someone wants to learn more, and I don't know if you do free trials or you at least talk to some of the audience, how can they get in touch with you? Absolutely. Look me up on LinkedIn. This is one of the advantages of the distinctive last name, first name. There aren't too many of us out there with the same first name, last name, relevo.com. 
R-E-L-E-V-V-O.com. And it's just my first name at relevo.com. Any of these, we love to talk to you. And one thing we do, and I'll make this offer, all your listeners, we do a no obligations device CP session where we come in and talk to you for 30 minutes and help you really think about your targeting and segmentation in ways you haven't done before. And we've gotten feedback from people saying, we're not quite ready for the product yet. And they've come back and bought the product in three months, four months. But that started a whole journey of being more focused in our segmentation targeting, more pinpointed, and help improve performance dramatically. So open offer to all your listeners. King me, happy to do one with you. 30 minutes of your time. I love it. I'm actually over on your website signing up for that right now for 10 bound because I'm going to be launching a new product here, hopefully in the next month or so. And we need to talk. So I appreciate it. thrilled to do it, David. That would be our pleasure. Well, thank you very much, Ashish. Thanks for coming on the show and coming on the Sales Development Podcast. My pleasure. Thank you. Hope to talk soon. Thank you for listening to the Sales Development Podcast, the only audio forum 100% focused and dedicated to sales development. Please be sure to subscribe to the show on YouTube and take a moment to leave us a review on iTunes. Your support makes our show possible. If you are struggling with your sales development program, contact us at 10bound.com for a no-obligation exploratory call. Again, that's 10bound.com.